Morning, everybody. Have we switched on there? We got power. We're all good. Good to see you all this morning. It's good to be with you. Um, we certainly do have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? I mean, if you just r- remind yourself or allow the Lord to remind you of where God found you and the state you were in when the Lord saved you, no doubt God's been good to each and every one of us, hasn't He? Uh, not a one of us deserved to be saved. Not a one of us deserved to be on our way to heaven. And not a one of us deserved the blessings that we get along the way since we've been saved. And uh, so we've certainly got an awful lot to be thankful for. And uh, just as the young people were singing there, I was reminded of, um, well, the Lord saving me and where the Lord found me. And I'm, I'm just thankful that um, God was pleased to speak to me uh, a couple, about 22 years ago. And on a Wednesday night in a prayer meeting, uh, the Holy Spirit confronted me and convicted me and convinced me that I was lost, that I was on my way to hell, and my only hope was Jesus. And the reality is, if God hadn't done that for me, I'd still be on my way to hell. And I'm thankful. That's something I can be thankful for. And you can be thankful for the day that God found you and lifted you out of the miry pit pit and out of the clay. So thank the Lord for his goodness and his mercy. It's a blessing to be with you. And uh, I thank the Lord for the the invitation and the opportunity to be here. And it's just always a blessing to be at Good Shepherd Baptist Church. And good to see it's a pretty full house, isn't it? Thank the Lord for that. That's a blessing. That's a wonderful blessing. And thank the Lord for it. We will be this morning in uh, 2 John, that's where I'm preaching from, 2 John, and uh, I'd ask you to take your Bibles and turn back there with me if you would please. You know, electronics are great, aren't they? And I've got my tablet here, but you know, and this has happened to me a few times this week. Last night I was just going over my notes and looking at a few things. And the Holy Spirit just prompted me and said, you better print that out. And so I printed it out. And uh, I've never had trouble with my tablet for a long time, but now my tablet won't turn on. So, um, but that happened to me the other day with something as well. And uh, I was, um, I can't remember what it was now. It was just something simple, nothing spiritual. And uh, the Holy Spirit said, you better do such and such. And I didn't. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, The Holy Spirit told me I should have done that and I didn't listen. And, uh, you know, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, don't we? And what a wonderful privilege to have the Holy Spirit abiding in us. It's another thing to be thankful for, isn't it? Amen. All right. Second John. I'm going to to read from verse 1 down through verse 8 again. And uh, as as I read that, I want you to notice some words... To begin with, I want you to notice the word truth and how often it appears in the first few verses. So 2 John, and we'll start reading in verse 1, notice the word truth. The elder under the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father 
in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. I'd like you to notice verse 8. And this is our text verse for this morning. It's where we're drawing our thought from in verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive... A full reward. I want to preach to you this morning on the subject of seven things you can lose as a Christian. Seven things you can lose as a Christian. Let's have a word of prayer. Ask the Lord to help us this morning. Heavenly Father, I am thankful, my Lord, for the privilege to be able to bow my head before you. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you saved me. Thankful, Lord, for the indwelling Holy Spirit thankful for the word of God and uh, Lord we just we need your help right now we ask your blessing not only upon the reading of your word but God help us please in the preaching and the reception of the word of God we just pray that your perfect will be accomplished pray you will be done in hearts and lives help me I pray in Jesus name amen five times in the first few verses we come across the word truth And truth is very important. If you don't have truth, if there is no such thing as truth, there is no error. And so what we need to be certain of is that we have hold of truth. And, you know, one of the the great things, one of the great comforts to me as a Christian is that I know I can pick up my Bible and I know it's the truth. I, I hold the truth of the Word of God in my hand and you do too in, in, in your hand or in your lap. It's a wonderful thing to have in your possession eternal spiritual truth. And the warning here in this passage is to hold on to that truth. And in contrast to the word truth, we come across the word deceived and deception and things like that. And what we need to be careful of in our Christian life is that we don't get deceived and led away in error. That we hold on to the truth and we maintain the truth. And that's the exhortation in this passage of Scripture in a nutshell. But as we come down to verse 8, and this is where I want you to notice, I want you to notice what it says. It says, look to yourselves. That means pay attention to yourself. That means don't worry about the person in front of you. Don't worry about the person behind you. Don't worry about the, the Christian that you think is a carnal Christian. Don't, don't you worry about the Christian that you think is in error. You just look to yourself. Worry about you. Make sure that you have truth and that you are not in error. And Because at the end of the day, you're not going to give account for anybody else. You're going to give an account of yourself. And so the exhortation here, the Holy Spirit is emphasising 
to this lady and her household, look to yourselves, worry about yourself and make sure your heart is okay. And so what's really important in our Christian life is that we focus on our own heart and our own walk with the Lord, not everybody else's. But you know, it's really easy to get distracted with everybody else's, right? And we look at everybody else with a magnifying glass and, you know, with a pair of binoculars, you look one way, when you're holding it correctly, it brings that which is afar up close, right? Really handy like that. But if you turn it around the other way, it makes things look really far away. And what we have a tendency to do is we take the binoculars out when we're looking at everybody else and we wear them the right way. And we draw up all their imperfections and all their errors. But then when we go to look at ourselves, somehow we twist them around and we don't have such a thorough look at ourselves. And this verse is exhorting Christians to look to themselves. Close personal examination. The verse goes on and says, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought. The exhortation is to look so you don't lose. And if you don't look carefully and you don't look at yourself carefully and you don't keep a close examination on yourself, you're going to lose. And so I want to I mention to you, and perhaps no doubt there's more than seven things that you can lose, but I want to mention to you this morning and we'll see how fast we go, we, we may finish it off tonight, but I, I want to focus in on seven things that you can lose as a Christian. Now, lest you get nervous, let me be clear about one thing as we start out. You cannot lose your salvation. That is unbiblical. Uh, you cannot lose your salvation. Once you possess Christ, you cannot dispossess Christ. Once Christ possesses you, he will never dispossess you. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, I, I cannot lose my salvation through sin. I cannot lose my salvation through uh, being cold and indifferent towards God. I cannot lose my eternal security, but I can lose some things. And you won't lose your salvation as a Christian, but if you're not looking to yourself and closely examining your walk with the Lord, there is a danger of losing some things as a Christian. So I'm glad that when God gave me eternal life, it was eternal life, not probational life, right? Uh, it's called Etvia and my faith and all this sort of thing. Then what we're going to have to call it is probational life but it's not it's eternal life and so I'm thankful for that so let's just get that out of the way and let's move on with some things that you can lose as a Christian you can lose number one I want you to understand and and you understand this but I want to remind you of this first thing this morning you can lose your testimony you can lose your testimony now Enoch, remember the man Enoch? Enoch had a testimony. It says in Hebrews 11 and verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death 
and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch had a testimony that he pleased God and he walked so closely with God and he walked in such a way that was so pleasing with God, God just took him home. But Enoch had a testimony and that testimony stands today and Enoch's testimony is that he pleased God. There's another man that had a testimony and his name's David. And that testimony is drawn out in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. It says, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Enoch had a testimony that he pleased God. David had a testimony that he had a heart after God's own heart and that he would fulfill the will of God in his life. They had a testimony. And I want to say to you that you have a testimony too. And as Christians, we have testimonies. But if, if you do not look to yourself, you will lose your testimony. If you don't pay attention to your walk with God, there is a danger of you losing your testimony. I want to say to you that a testimony, a testimony is built on evidence and a record of behaviour. And you're either going to have a good testimony or a bad testimony based on your record and your behaviour. Enoch had a good testimony. He had a wonderful testimony. And it was based on the evidence of his walk. David had a testimony. And he had a testimony that he had a heart after God's own heart and that he would fulfil the will of God. And that testimony was based on the evidence of his behaviour. And I want to say to you this morning that you have a testimony before your family, you have a testimony privately, and you have a testimony publicly. You have a testimony before your family, you have a testimony before your work colleagues, you have a testimony before your church family, you have a testimony before the world. But let me remind you that you also have a testimony before God. And your testimony... Let me be plain about this. Your testimony is not based on what you say about yourself. <laughs> when in a court of law, someone isn't called in to testify on their own behalf. Why? Well, because they're going to they're put a lot of mayonnaise on the sandwich. That's why. <laughs> right? And that's what you have a tendency to do as well. A testimony is built on evidence by others that are watching your behaviour. Privately, publicly and before God Almighty. Now the exhortation in our text verse is look to yourselves. And I want to remind you this morning, folks, it's a wonderful privilege to be saved, isn't it? What a wonderful thing to be a child of God. What a wonderful thing to have my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when I die, I'm going to heaven. What a wonderful thing. But can I also, can I, can I say to you this morning, don't be flippant as a Christian. Don't be flippant. As a Christian, you name the name of Christ, depart from iniquity, the Bible says. You name the name of Christ... 
You're an ambassador of Christ. You're representing Christ himself. What a wonderful privilege, but what an incredible responsibility. Do you remember Lot? In the Bible, Lot? Do you remember Samson? Do you know that the Bible records both Lot and Samson as saved men? Lot's recorded as a just man. And you'll find Samson in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But both those men saved, Christian, you might say, but they lost their testimony. They didn't have a good testimony. And you know, we often think about Samson and the first thing we think about Samson often is Delilah. We don't think of all the great victories he had. We think of his fall. Can I remind you of David? David was a godly man, but he did sin, didn't he? I mean, he sinned beyond probably, if we're going to categorise sin, he, he probably sinned above most everybody in the room. He didn't just commit adultery. He committed adultery, but then he had a husband killed. And then he lied. And then he covered it up. I mean, that's some pretty serious sin. And often when we think of David, that's what we think of. I read of a, um, I think I read it, I read it in a book somewhere. It was an illustration and it was speaking about this professor, a math professor. And he's writing on a chalkboard and he's writing out his nine times tables in front of his class. And it was a university lecturer. And he's writing out his nine times tables and he's nine times one, and I'm not going to go through them because I'll get them wrong, all, all the way down to nine times 12. And he's writing them all out and he gets to nine times nine and uh, there's some whisperings going on and he keeps going and he gets down to nine times 12 and he stands back and then the talk sort of rises and then there's some giggling and some laughing and the class point out to him, Professor, you got nine times nine wrong. And he let them laugh and he let them mock. And then he, he, he calmed the class down and he said, now, that's just like life. I've got all the others right. Not one of you have mentioned all of those and congratulated me on any of them. <laughs> but you're mocking me and laughing at me that I got one wrong. And that's just like your testimony. It doesn't take much to lose your testimony. You better look to yourselves. You better walk circumspectly. We need to be sober-minded as Christians. And can I exhort you in that way? Be careful you don't lose your testimony. Brother Kurt Skelly made this statement uh, at TNS this year, earlier this year. And uh, it stuck with me ever since he made it. He said, influence lost can never be regained. Influence lost can never be regained. And if you lose your testimony, you lose your influence. Now, you may make a little bit of ground back, but you're not going to make all that ground back because people are going to remember. So can I, can I exhort you this morning? Look to yourselves lest you lose your testimony. Secondly, 
You can not only lose your testimony, but the second thing this morning, you can lose fellowship. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your fellowship. That word fellowship speaks of communion, participation, and intimacy. And you know one of the most precious things about being saved is that intimate relationship that we have with our God. That I, as a human being here on earth, can approach the throne of God at any time and have an intimate communication with my God and know that he hears me, he loves me, he cares about me, he's interested in me and he wants to hear me pray, he wants to answer my prayer, he wants to be involved in my life intimately and he wants to be intimately involved in your life as well. But let me remind you that as a Christian, although you can't lose your salvation, you can lose that intimacy. You can lose that communion. It's kind of like marriage. If you do your spouse wrong, you may still have a ring. You may still have the paperwork, but there's no intimacy. There's still the relationship, but the intimate communion and participation is broken down. And that's the same with your relationship with God. You won't lose your relationship. It's still there, but the fellowship is gone. You can lose your fellowship with your brethren. You can lose your fellowship with God the Father. You can lose your fellowship with God the Son. But I want to emphasize to you this morning for the sake of time, you can lose your fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1 puts it this way. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit if any bowels and mercies. I said to you at the outset of the message, it's a wonderful thing to be saved, and I'm thankful for that. And it's a wonderful thing to have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, isn't it? And, and, and to have the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I mean, what, a, what, a, what an interesting... And, you know, you might say, well, it was just a premonition. Well, I think lost people can have premonitions. But I'll give the credit to the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful thing... For the Holy Spirit, as I'm studying yesterday evening, just going over things, and the Holy Spirit just to prompt me, you, you better print that. And if I didn't have the intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have heard him. And, and have you ever, I've been there as a Christian, have you been there where you've got cold, you got a little bit indifferent and you've, you've backslidden on God, you're not reading like you used to, you're, you're not praying like you used to, and, and you're just not hearing from God anymore? And he's not speaking to you like he used to. I want to say that that's because you've lost your fellowship. You haven't lost your salvation. You've, you've lost that intimate relationship. It's very easy to happen. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, we're instructed, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Do you know that's a commandment? You're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. That's your responsibility, to be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be, be ye filled 
with the Spirit. Now, if I'm automatically filled with the Spirit when God saved me, that verse is in there for no reason. Now, the Holy Spirit indwells us when we're saved. But we have a responsibility as a Christian to maintain our fullness of the Holy Spirit. We, when we're saved, we have all of the, the Holy Spirit indwells us and we have all of the Holy Spirit. We can't get any more of the Holy Spirit. But can I, can I say to you that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is illustrated by the fact that he doesn't always have all of you. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit, he has full access to every area of your life and he can speak to you. There's no secret little places. Well, no, you can't have... Well, you can have all of this, Lord, but that little room there, that's under lock and key. And if you've got areas that are locked off from the influence of the Holy Spirit, you're not full of the Holy Spirit. And we have a responsibility to be full of the Holy Spirit, each and every one of us. Now, if we're not full of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be very limited in our fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I need to remind you that the Holy Spirit is very, very sensitive. Very sensitive. The Spirit, the person... Can I say it that way? The person of the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy, Holy Spirit, is very sensitive. doesn't take much to grieve the Holy Spirit, to sadden him. When somebody offends you, it grieves you. You grieve. You, it causes you grief. And when you offend the Holy when you allow things in your life or you involve things in your life, that are offensive to the Holy Spirit, that's going to be grieving to the Holy Spirit. And he's going to start withdrawing that intimate relationship. Not only told to don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but also told not to quench him. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 19, it says, quench not the Spirit. And that word quench, it's kind of like if you've got a candle and you take your fingers and you just... Maybe if, if your fingers are a little sensitive, you might wet them a little bit and you just go like that on the, on the, on the wick and you just quench that flame. And what you've done is you've, you've put out the influence of that candle in the room. And what happens is when you, when you grieve and when you quench the Holy Spirit, what you're doing is you're, you're putting out his influence in your life. And you're, you've broken down that intimate fellowship with him and he no longer... He, he, he's speaking to you and he's guiding you and he's comforting you. Sort of backs away. And it's because you've grieved him and you've quenched him. And what you've done, you've not lost your salvation. What you've done is you've lost your fellowship and you've lost your intimacy. You better look to yourselves. It's not your husband's fault. It's not your wife's fault. It's not your pastor's fault. Now, pastor gets blamed for a lot of things. And he might be able to, you might be able to blame him for a lot of things. But you can't blame him for your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can't blame the person in front of you. You can't blame that work colleague. Look to yourselves 
lest you lose your fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's your responsibility to maintain that open channels of communication and intimacy. You can lose your testimony. You can lose your fellowship. Thirdly, this morning, let me say to you, you can lose your joy. Would you turn with me, please, to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. You can lose your testimony. And you know what happens if you, if you lose your testimony and you don't write that ship? What will happen is you'll start losing fellowship. And then when you lose your fellowship with the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen is you're going to start losing your spiritual joy. Have a look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's the second on the list, joy. That word joy is gladness. It has the idea of enjoying the Christian life. Now, you know, I've met some pretty miserable people in my life. Have you? You met, met some pretty miserable individuals? I think the most miserable individuals I've met are miserable Christians. I mean, there's nothing more off-putting than a miserable Christian. A Christian, an individual that says they're saved, they got their sins forgiven, they're heading to heaven... But yet, I mean, after five minutes with him, you're just like, give me a break. I need to, I'm, I'm dying here. I'm, I'm going to walk away depressed. There's nothing more miserable than a miserable Christian. And can, can I encourage you, don't, look, there's a lot, there's a lot to lose your joy over. There, there is. Uh, you look around the world we're living in, look at the direction the world's going. Look, look at the direction Australia is going. Look at the direction Queensland is going. We are an absolute mess as a nation. And it's, it's most likely not going to get better. Globally, it's an absolute mess. Can you believe that we're actually having to talk about and people are having to sit down with psychiatrists to figure out what gender they are? I mean, what kind of a messed up world are we living in? It's not complicated. You've got two options. <laughs> but, you know, looking around, it, it can get, you can lose your joy looking around the world and the world that we're living in and, and it's just going down. And then, and then just as a Christian, there's a lot of battles, isn't there? I mean, it's living the Christian life. It's the best thing I've ever done, but it's the hardest thing I've ever done. But I don't have, even though it's hard, it doesn't have to be miserable. Of course it's hard. It's a battle. It's going to be hard. You, you weren't promised sunshine and roses all the way to heaven. We weren't. There's battles to be won. And, and if I'm going to win them, I'm going to have to fight. I'm going to have to war. And I'm, I'm just going to have to have some grit. I'm going to have to have some backbone. I'm going to have to have some determination. But Lord help me to have all that without sourness, but with joy. And, and if, if I've maintained a right testimony, and if I've maintained my fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and I'm intimate with the Holy Ghost of God, and the Holy Spirit is ministering to my soul while, while there's 
fiery darts of the wicked hitting me and there's accusations coming this way and there's disappointments here and there's frustrations there but yet as, the, as I maintain my relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God can come alongside me and remind me of the promises of God and minister to my soul and bring a wonderful hymn to my mind as I'm driving down the road and can just minister to me and bring back a little joy in my heart, in my soul, even though I'm going through hardship and battles and he can do that for you as well. But if, if you do not look to yourself, you'll lose your joy. It's your responsibility to maintain your testimony. It's your responsibility as a Christian to maintain your fellowship with God and it's your responsibility to maintain your joy. Your joy. The Bible, the Bible speaks a lot about joy. Let me give you just three verses and I want you to notice what is closely knit with joy. Romans 14 and verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 15, 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 6, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. If, if you lose your intimacy with the Holy Ghost of God, you will lose your joy because the source of joy is the fullness of the Holy Ghost of God. And if you're not full of the Spirit of God, you're not full of the Holy Ghost and you're not living your life in the power of the Holy Ghost, you're going to be a bitter, twisted, frustrated Christian. Fact. If, if you're trying to do the Christian life in the strength of your flesh and with your own intelligence and your own, well, I'm tough, I'm just going to make it through. You, you might, but you'll be miserable and everyone around you will be miserable. The only way to do the Christian life properly is in the power of the Holy Ghost. And let, let me remind you, that's not charismatic extremism. That's Bible. That's Bible. You need to get full of the Holy Ghost of God. And when you get full of the Holy Ghost of God, you'll get a little bit of joy in your life. And if you have no joy in your life, I'll tell you what the problem is. You're lacking fellowship and intimacy with the Holy Ghost. It's not complicated. You don't have... Yes, it's just not complicated. Bible terms, some Bible terms. The Bible refers to great joy, exceeding great joy, to be full of joy, an abundance of joy. And this last one, this is really good, joy unspeakable. Do you know that, and it's, it's wonderful to have it, it's a joy that you just cannot explain. And, you know, you see some Christians, and I've read testimony of Christians that have gone through horrendous things in prisoners of war camps and, and communist countries and different things, and they have a joy unspeakable. It's a joy that just cannot be explained. They're starving, they're tortured, they've been in prison, but yet they're in their prison cell full of joy, worshipping God. All circumstances around them says they shouldn't be doing that, 
but they have a joy that is unspeakable. It's an unexplainable joy. It's a bit like that unexplainable peace. A peace that passeth all understanding. Joy unspeakable. Now, one of the purposes of 1 John, the book of 1 John, is that the believers might have a fullness of joy. 1 John and verse Chapter 1 and verse 4 says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be half full. He, wasn't, he, he, he only wanted them to have a little bit of joy. No, he, he, he desired them to have a fullness of joy. And I want to say to you this morning that God purposes for you, God's purpose for you, you as a Christian is not to have just a little bit of joy, but it's to have a fullness of joy. A joy unspeakable and full of glory. A fullness of joy. So let me ask you this question this morning. How full is your joy tank? Now my fuel tank's pretty empty. And that's painful to fill up at the moment, isn't it? We're all experiencing that, aren't we? That's ridiculous. But what about your joy tank? What about your spiritual joy tank? I tell you what, if you're not careful, and let's go back to our text first, look to yourselves, look to yourselves. If you're not careful, if you're not looking to yourself, all of a sudden you're going to be on empty in regards to your joy. And all of a sudden you're going to start getting frustrated about things and you're going to grow discontent and you're going to start murmuring and complaining about things that, they never used to bother you. And they haven't changed. They've always, it's always been like that. The church has always done it that way. <laughs> What's changed? Probably your joy tank's on empty. And now you're, you're lacking joy and so now you're getting frustrated at things you never got frustrated at. The wife's always been that way. That's dangerous ground. <laughs> My wife's not here, I'm safe. <laughs> uh, by the way, she's, she, uh, she wanted to be here today, but she had surgery a few days ago and is still recovering, so she's at home. But uh, the husband's always been that way. And you used to be able to tolerate him. The wife's always been, You used to be able to, with joy, well, what's happened? Well, maybe it's your joy tank. Work's always been that way. Now you're bitter about your workplace. You, you thank God for it when he gave it to you. And, 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 but now you, did, you were able to thank the Lord for it then because you had a, a tank full of joy. But now you've been through some storms and those storms are legitimate. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's, you know, it's relationship, it's family, it's spiritual and, and it, your joy tank has just taken a hit and, and now you, the, 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 the cure isn't to get a tank full of joy. The cure is, I need another job. And what the danger of that is, and, you, and I've seen this and you've seen this if you've been a Christian any length of time, people start getting discontent in church, they start getting discontent in the workplace and they, they end up developing a habit of rather than looking to themselves and making adjustments, they say, I need a different job. And well, joy comes for a little while and it's exciting. And, but then the honeymoon period was, ah, oh, I need another job. Church is exciting, ah, uh, need a new church. 
and you end up developing a habit of jumping around trying to fill your joy tank when you just need to look, you're the problem. I'm the problem. Listen, folks, our biggest problem in our Christian walk is not everybody else. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. It's me, it's you. Our text verse doesn't say, look to the person in front of you. Look to old mate that drives you nuts every Sunday. Look to old mate that wants to draw out the business meeting, every business meeting we have. No, 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 no. Look to yourselves. Look at you. Make sure you're right. Look to yourselves. I think we're going to finish up here this morning. Let me make a couple of statements and I think we'll close and we'll, we'll finish off the rest tonight. I don't want to rush. There's a couple at the end I don't want to rush. I want to be able to have time to spend a little on there. So let me make this statement about your joy. If you lose your joy, go with me to Psalm 51, if you would, please. Psalm 51. The wonderful thing about the Christian life Number one, you can't lose your salvation, right? But if you lose your testimony, if you look to yourself, get it right, in time you can restore your testimony. It can be restored. If you lose your fellowship with God, if you lose your fellowship with your brethren, if you lose your fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the wonderful thing about the Christian life is that fellowship can be restored. It can be put back how it was and it can be even better than it was. That fellowship can be restored. And I want to say to you in regards to your joy, just as your testimony can be restored, your fellowship can be restored, so your joy can be restored as well. Look what David said in Psalm 51 and verse 12. He said, restore Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Now, how did he lose his joy? Well, he lost his joy by adulterating and murdering. You'll lose your joy when you step out in sin. Now, the devil, he'll wave that around and say, it's looking pretty good over here. Grass is pretty green. And you go over there and you partake of it, and then it's like that pretty well. The joy is gone. David committed adultery. He committed conspiracy to murder and then murder. He lied. And then here he comes in Psalm 51. And in verse 12, he said, God, would you just restore to me the joy that I had when you first saved me? Do do you remember when God saved you? I I remember the day uh, out there between Emerald and Roma, out in June in Arcadia Valley, uh, on, on a property called Holt Summit. And uh, 
No, Sunny Holt, not Holt Summit. Sunny Holt was the name of the property. God saved me about 11 o'clock at night. And I got up the new mor- the next morning and it was like the, the, the sky was bluer. The flowers were prettier. The, green was, the grass was greener. And there was just this enormous weight off of my shoulders. And I, I couldn't explain it. But I experienced it. And it was the joy that you receive at having your sins forgiven and being granted eternal life. And you know, there's been many times I've wanted to go back when I've been cast down, despondent, perhaps even depressed as a Christian. And you just want that back again. Well, it can be. It can be restored. But verse 12, Psalm 51 and verse 12 is only in the Bible and that request is only there and that request is only granted because of all the other verses before it. What I want to say to you is that joy is restored through repentance. He got honest with God in those previous verses. You go back and have a look at that, read through Psalm 51. He's not playing games. He's not making excuses. He said, well, God, you know, I'm sorry, but you know you know how beautiful she was. Well, God, you, I'm sorry, but you know how frustrated I was in my marriage. There's none of that there. He's just, God, it was all me. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you purify me? I sinned against you. There's genuine, biblical, heartfelt, sincere repentance and the result is a restoration of joy. Folks, it can all be restored, but it's all only restored through genuine repentance, a genuine sorrow, sincerity, sincerity and truth. Restored. If you lose your joy as a Christian... Here's, what you're gonna, here's what's going to happen. You're going to lose your strength. As Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 says, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you lose your testimony, you lose your fellowship and you lose your joy, you're going to lose your strength. And you're not going to have the spiritual strength you need to live the Christian life. And rather than having joy... And a fullness of joy. I mean a fullness of joy in spite of all the heartaches. A fullness of joy. A joy unspeakable. That's all. If you you don't look to yourselves and maintain that, that joy and that intimacy, it's going to be replaced with discouragement, despondency, despair and depression. And I'm convinced what a lot of people need, they don't need drugs, they need repentance, especially Christians. And I'm not, I'm not against medication and the doctor's got you on medication, take your medication, I'm not preaching against that, but I'm saying medication isn't the answer to all your depression. Some people are depressed because they're in unrepentant sin. 
They need to stay depressed until they come to repentance. Perhaps they'll just, that's the way God's going to break them. But you know what we often do? Is we often try and, and uh, I, I recommend this course. It's called um, Quieting a Noisy Soul by Jim Berg. It's a wonderful Bible course. And he emphasises on mercy. And what we often want to do is we often want to deliver people, especially loved ones, we want to deliver them from their miserable circumstances. But God's want to deliver them from their miserable condition. And if we jump in there showing what we think is mercy and take away that hardship that they're going through and we deliver them from their miserable circumstances, God can't bring them to that broken place and deliver them from their miserable condition. Look to yourselves. You're in danger of losing your testimony, your fellowship, and your joy. I'm glad, thank God I'm saved. What a privilege. But can we be reminded this morning of the awesome responsibility that comes with being a Christian? Thank God. But Lord, help me, help me, help me to look to myself, help me get my eyes on, on, on me and maintain my Christian walk. You know, did, did your dad, my, my dad's in heaven there, he died a couple of years ago, but did, did, your, did your dad ever say to me, say to you, I remember my dad saying this, he'd come in, he'd say, you better pull your socks up. You, you ever hear that? Or, or the teacher come in, you lot better pull your socks up and straighten up and behave yourself. You know, as Christians, we need to stop and sometimes pull our socks up a little bit, have a bit of a check inwardly and make some adjustments where they're needed. Look to yourselves this morning. Look to yourselves. Let's have a word of prayer and I'll hand over to Pastor Herman. Heavenly Father, thankful, Lord, for the scriptures and what a privilege it is to be saved, Lord. I'm so thankful. Lord, what a joy to be a Christian. Father, I just ask and pray, dear God, that you'd just be pleased to take the few words that have been said. Lord, you know, everybody that's here, you know what they're going through, the difficulties they may be facing. Lord, we just pray and ask, God, would you just be pleased to take what's been spoken this morning and minister it to each and every heart and life as you see fit. Have your will and way, honour and glorify yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.